0: We are going to be in the book of 1 Kings and 2 Kings today. So open up your Bible, find those books. They're in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that's the first five, the books of Moses. Then Joshua judges Ruth, first and second Samuel, and then you get to 1 and 2 Kings. It's when you start getting the record of the history of Israel and their kings from the time of the judges and then David, and then you have all the kings. And when you get to the end of that, you have the prophets that rise up, and they talk to um, the country, they lead the nation. You know who was really in charge of the nation spiritually was not the kings. The kings were actually subordinate to the prophets in God's order. The word of God and the prophets, so Moses and the prophets, they were the ones who were supposed to govern and guide everything in the nation. And the kings were supposed to serve the people under that, and that's a really missing part that we see. We we see the kings just deciding whatever they want to do, and I'm going to go to war against this person, and I'm going to do this over here, and all this kind of stuff. But God had provided already some leadership that that the nation was disobedient to, that the nation. So all of that—that's kind of the history that we're at in this time—is all these different kings have been coming along, and God is sending prophets to them, and that's where we get Elijah and Elisha showing up, okay? So Elijah, and they're at the tail end of this, right before they go into captivity, and, and Elijah, he's, he comes at a time where there's just all this idolatry, and people have been worshiping all these false gods for a long time. And as we saw last week, Elijah, he confronted evil. He dealt with sin, and then Elisha comes after him. But they kind of overlap, and that's what we're going to study today is the overlap, the time they spent together. So let's pray, and then we'll get started. This is called the call and testings of Elisha. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for all the, the things that we have going on that you've led us to with the, the food pantry and the, the, the stuff going on in Mexico. And Lord, I thank you so much for your guidance and your leadership, your sovereign hand in our lives. And Lord, for the marriages and the relationships and the people here, God, that's what the church is all about, bringing healing, bringing restoration, bringing your love to all the people in this room. Lord, we go through so much on a, on a weekly basis. We, we have relationships that are strained. We have jobs that are difficult. We have school, and there's influences, Lord, that are trying to get us to sin. And Lord, we just pray that you would come and you would give us rest, from this fight and this war, that you would help us to surrender to you and allow you to be the the eagle that covers us with your wings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Elijah and Elisha lived together for 10 years. And those 10 years are what we are going to look at today. It started on the day when Elijah called Elisha to follow him. Okay, And it ended on the day that Elijah is taken up to heaven supernaturally in a chariot of fire. And only after that, these 10 years, does Elisha become God's representative to the nation, to all the people. He went through a a process, you could call it Bible college, training for 10 years with Elijah. And during this time, Elisha learned to love Elijah. He learned to love Elijah. He learned submission, how to obey him. He he learned, even in this, he learned that he had to have his love and his submission tested. It had to be tested. It had to be proved. It was a decade of devotion. We'll call it the decade of devotion. That's what we're going to study today. And in this, we are going to learn, our big lesson for today, is that relationship comes before service. Relationship with God comes before serving God. There's a lot of things that go into a relationship. It's not easy to have a relationship. It takes commitment. It takes work. It takes faithfulness, and many believers are very eager to serve the Lord. They get saved one week, they get baptized the next week, and the next week they're like, I want to teach the Bible study this week, or I want to I minister to the kids, or I want to get involved. And that's not a bad desire. But to serve the Lord, we're going to learn that you have to establish a deep relationship and walk with Jesus first. That's where serving comes from. It's a very hard truth. And the the worst part about this for you and for me is that we don't get to control how fast we walk with Jesus. We want to jog with Jesus or run with Jesus. And a lot of times we leave him in the dust and and he's just walking along the sidewalk, you know, with his robe and beard and everything. And we are way far ahead and he's just like, oh, you'll come back. And he's just fine, it seems, moseying along at his own pace. And we get really frustrated by that. Because we have all this energy. We want to do so much. And God wants to do stuff too. But he will only do things his way. And his way is about relationship. Relationship. We're going to learn today that trials and struggles are good for our relationship with God testing we're going to learn that the call and testings of Elisha are the same things that we go through as followers of Christ as part of the church that's why the holy spirit gave us the story of Elisha he didn't we're, we don't have the book of 1st and 2nd kings these books because they were just a history I mean, there would have been a lot more logical ways to write history than the way First and Second Kings is written. No, it's written with very specific spotlights on people and things going on in the history for you. It wasn't for the nation of Israel. I mean, it's their history, but it's not spiritually for them. It's for you. And so as we see this guy's life, we got to understand it's for us. So his testings, his trial are for us. Before we serve God... We must spend time with him, and then we can receive his life and his power to do what he wants us to do in our lives. That's our big lesson for today. So we're going to start in 1 Kings chapter 19. So dig out your Bibles, open up to 1 Kings 19. We've got to find that. First and Second Kings, then if you find Chronicles, you've gone too far. It's not too hard to find. Page 326, if you have my Bible oh okay Four, five, all right <laughs> we're going to read verses 15 through 21 in first kings chapter 19 first kings chapter 19 verse 15 then the lord said to him go and he's talking to elijah and he says go Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. And also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place, he said. It shall be that whoever escapes the, of, the sword of Hazael Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved seven thousand in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every and every mouth that has not kissed him. So he departed from there, and he found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the twelfth. So here we have Elijah had run away from Jezebel. He was afraid that everyone in the entire nation was now serving Baal, the demon god of the the Philistines and the people that were there. The Israelites had started to serve him. No one was serving the Lord, it seemed like. And Elijah was very discouraged at the situation here. And so... God talks to him, and first he shows there's a there's a tornado, and then and then there's fire, but the Lord wasn't in either of these great and mighty things, but then it says a still small voice came and spoke to him, and in that small voice he spoke to him these things: go anoint this king of Syria, anoint this king of Israel, and then anoint Elisha to be the next prophet for the nation and I have 7,000 people that are still serving me, God said. You can't see everything, Elijah. And if you could see, you could see that there's people that I'm not done yet with this country. I'm not done yet with these people. I have a plan after you, Elijah. I, I'm going to keep working after you're gone. And I want you to start working on that plan. And so here he's giving hope to him. And so Elijah obediently goes and he finds Elisha. And Elisha... When he finds him, he was not seeking God. He was working. But God was seeking him. God was seeking him through Elijah. And it's just the same way that all of us get saved. God is the one who comes after us. While we were busy living our own life, ups and downs and whatever, following 12 yoke of, yoke of oxen, which probably wasn't pleasant all the time. Your view wasn't great anyway. And God comes, and he surprises us. And he, and he comes and gets us through Elijah. And Elijah, for our uh, picture we're painting through these weeks here, is, represents Jesus. And Jesus is the one who's used to come and rescue us. Someday, you heard about Jesus. You heard what he did for you. And it was maybe a little surprising. Maybe you didn't know you needed someone to die for you. But then you hear that Jesus did. And you find out why and you learn about his love. And all of a sudden, it changes your heart. It affects you. And if you don't believe yet, God is going to keep coming after you until you die. He loves you and he doesn't want anyone to die and go to hell. And so he will keep sending Jesus after you. He'll keep sending him, pursuing you. But he's not going to force you, because God never forces anyone. He's not rude. He's a gentleman, and he allows you to have your free will. But he will keep pursuing you. He will keep going after you. And his sovereign love will keep seeking us out. And if you decide to go your whole life unbelieving, and, and you reject Jesus your whole life, you will die and go to hell but it will literally be you will have to step over his dead body to get there. His love for you, he will be constantly coming after you until the day you died. This is the call that we have in Elisha's life. It says, Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. So Elijah had this like cloak type thing, I don't know, like Superman's cape, we'll just call it. And he's... Runs by Elijah. He doesn't say anything to him. He just throws his cape on him. And Elisha was supposed to know what that meant, I guess. (laughs) Well, in that day, that actually did mean something. It would be like handing someone the keys to your car. It was giving someone your responsibility. Maybe the name tag that says manager at Subway. He would hand that to him, and he'd be like, Oh, you want me to be the manager? That's what's going on here. God seeks out Elisha by Elijah throwing his mantle on him. And this is an invitation to relationship. It was cold. They're having a fire. You know, and it's chilly. You know what they would do? They would share the mantle. It'd be like a little blanket they would put around them to stay warm. And, and in that, they would be staying close. It was something they shared. This is an invitation to serve God together. This is an invitation to share in the work of God's kingdom. He's saying, come follow me. Does that remind you of anyone? You ever hear anyone say, come follow me? Yeah. Jesus said that like a dozen times or so. Maybe more. That was a good disciple joke. But... He says, come follow me. Come and learn from me. Come walk with me. Take my yoke upon you. Those are the things Jesus said, right? For my yoke is light, like a blanket, kind of. Wow, this is just getting really cool. It's an invitation to relationship and service. Come know me. Come serve with me, Elijah is telling Elisha. Now, as soon as Elisha is called he responds to the call it's almost as if the holy spirit has been preparing his heart because he has and you don't know how the holy spirit's been preparing someone's heart in your life maybe god wants to use you to make a call into someone's life and say hey why don't you come and know the lord with me and you're like but that person is awful they're terrible i know i've been married to him 20 years (laughs) no You don't know how the Holy Spirit has been working in that person's life. A, you might have been praying for them. If not, someone may have been. You don't know. So if the Lord prompts you to call someone to a relationship with Jesus, be obedient and make a call. You don't know. They might say, okay, I'm done with my life anyway. Why not follow Jesus? They might. You never know. And if they don't, what do we do? We just pray. And we call again when the Lord gives us a door. That's how we serve the Lord. It's not up to you to convince people into heaven. Evangelism should be so fun and exciting. You know why? Because we get to see these miracles happen when we don't expect it. And Elisha, he gets to see that right here. Elisha, he responds right away. And we see verse 20. So he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. And he said, uh, please let me kiss my father and mother and then I'll follow you. And he said to him, go back for what have I done to you? It's a little confusing to us. I'm going to explain it. It's not really that confusing. So Elisha turned back from him and he took a yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them and boiled their flesh and he used the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. And, they, and then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. So here, Elisha, he responds to the call with acceptance. He believes it. He receives it. All is good now, and they live happily ever after, serving God and kicking butt in Jesus' name. Well, not totally, but immediately, right after he receives and believes the call, is his first test, his first test. Now, we're going to see several tests here, and I'm going to give you guys the the cheat notes did you guys ever cheat in high school? <laughs> You're just like, no way, buddy. That's right. Well, I, I did a couple times. And it was very bad of me. Don't you dare say anything. <laughs> I, I, I didn't study, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll get away with it. Well, guess what? Did I get away with it? I did, but the Lord convicted me <laughs> later, and I shouldn't have got away with it, and so I confess later today. So, <laughs> it's bad. Jesus, forgive me. He has to forgive me. It's so bad. Well, right away, Elisha gets a test, okay? And I'm going to teach you guys how to pass all these tests because these same tests are happening to you or they've already happened to you or they're going to happen to you. So, take notes. You've got to pass these tests. The first test is a changed life. Has your life changed? Has your life changed? Why do we have to have tests? You're saying, I thought Jesus was the answer to the test. And if I just put Jesus down on the answers of my life, I'll be fine and I'll pass every test. Well, James says, faith without works is dead, right? We know works doesn't save us. Passing these tests are all after faith in Christ. But God is going to send you tests so that your faith can be seen as real. So your faith can be seen by everybody. These tests aren't just for you. You're going to go through tests so that your family can see how real your faith is. So your children, so that your parents, so that... Everyone around you can see that your test is real. God is going to use Elisha greatly. But he needs everyone, including us, to see Elisha pass these tests. And every servant of the Lord is going to be tested by God. Because faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. That's why we're going to be tested. So it's faith that needs to be tested to show it's real. Number one, this test is a changed life. He has to change his life. He has to give up a pretty good job. He had a pretty good job. Twelve yokes of oxen was a decent-sized business back in the day. And Elisha would have to give up immediately everything to follow the Lord. His life has to change like that. Just like in 2 Timothy 2. four. 2 Timothy 2.4. He said, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So when you receive Jesus, it's almost like you get drafted immediately into a spiritual warfare for the souls of this life, and, and there you don't want to be entangled. You ever wonder why some people, they receive Jesus, and immediately they are just being used by God, and, and there's just like supernatural how they are all in. Well, how did that happen? They changed their life. Their life changed. It's a test. Was your faith real if it was? There's a big change. Now, this doesn't mean you all go quit your jobs right when you get saved. It means we have to let go of everything we hold dear to follow Jesus. That's what it means. You have to let go of everything you hold dear to follow Jesus. Yes, everything. Anything you hold back is an idol in your heart. Anything you will not surrender is an enemy of Jesus and Jesus will destroy it. So if you don't hand it over, Jesus will take it from you, wring it from your hands and it won't be as nearly as comfortable as surrendering to the Lord fully. Does that make sense? All right. Would you rather give up all to him freely and have a beginning like Elisha? That's a good idea. Elisha, he gives up everything right away. If you failed this test in your life, maybe you came to know Jesus when you were younger and you failed this test, sometimes we wonder why we've never gone anywhere with Jesus, why we've never done anything for God's kingdom why we've been stuck in place. And this is why we failed that first test. So what do we do? How do I reverse time and go back then? Well, we can't, right? It would be great. But what do we do now? And the answer is repent. You can go back and repent now. Give him all today. Let go of everything today. He's gracious and kind. He'll receive you today. Today's the day that faith can become real, that faith can be full and complete. Don't let Satan trick you out of any more days by waiting or wishing something was different. Do what Elisha did. Today, Elisha, it says, he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. That can be your life today. All the things you care about, leave them. So how to pass the test? Here's your, here's your cheat sheet. Get it ready. Your legal cheat sheet. Leave your life and run after Jesus. It's how to pass the first test. Let him decide what you do at home, what you do at work, what you do when you're driving, what you do in your bed. All of it, run after him. It's a full life change. Now, test number two, that's test number one, life change. How do you do it? You run fully after Jesus, okay? Test number two is the test of your affections. You're all going to go through this test. You've probably been through it several times. Maybe you're going through it now, but he will test your affections. And we see this here when he says, please let let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. This is a test in Elisha's life. Notice how humble Elisha has already become. He won't even say goodbye to his parents and change his life until he gets permission from his new master. That's how all in he is. Hey, I love my parents, Elisha. Can I go say goodbye to them? Can I tell them how much they've meant to me? Can I be kind and a good son? Yeah. Elisha is not some robot. He cared about his parents. He loved them. He wanted to say goodbye And he's not trying to delay his obedience like the guy we see with Jesus later, where he says, well, let me go bury my father and mother. And his dad and mom weren't even dead yet. So he's like, well, I kind of am busy right now, Jesus, so I'd like to follow you after my parents die, then I'll get busy about my spiritual life. No, Jesus is like, no, that's not okay. You you let the dead bury their own dead. They're not even dead yet, you weirdo. Unless you're going to kill them, and I don't want you to do that either. He's like walking out with a shovel. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. No. Elisha, he loves his parents. He's actually wanting to break all the ties that could hold him back from serving the Lord with everything in his life. He couldn't just leave them wondering what happened to their son. Plus, his heart would long for them if he didn't have closure to that relationship. So You know, he could have just disappeared. You know, he went out plowing, never comes back. His parents are like, I don't know what happened. That's how alien abduction stories get started, people. We don't want this. Elisha cut ties in love. Sometimes you need to do that. He serves one master and one master only now. And we don't have to be jerks when we cut ties but we sometimes do need to cut ties. We need to change directions. We need to cut ties to anything requires us to serve it before Jesus. We cannot love anything more than we love God, even good things like family. And what's he say? Elijah says to him, go back again for what have I done to you? Elijah, here he wants Elisha to be sure he knows what he's getting himself into. Just as Jesus tested his followers many times, and a lot of his followers decided, yeah, I'm not going to go that far with you, Jesus. And And they just gave up. Elisha, he's not signing up for an easy life. But a life of serving and suffering enemies that want to kill him, the same enemies that wanted to kill Elijah. And this is his chance to get out, to take the easy road. And guess what? Jesus will still save people who don't serve him all all the way. He's gracious and kind. It says, Paul says that their life, life can be saved, but it's like getting saved, pulled out of the fire, and they won't have anything to show for their life. And this is a way that some people get saved. He's so gracious. But serving him has great reward. It's very biblical that we should want to serve him. So Elisha, he doesn't take this. Verse 21. Elisha turned back from him. He took the yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. And he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. So Elisha, he's all in. He throws a party by burning and cooking all the things he used to make money, all the things he used to depend on. His old life is just sacrifice to celebrate the coming of his new life. He blesses people. He, bless, he gives all that he has. He's transformed and he's free. That's what Elisha is showing us. He's starting a new life. And it says that he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. He's going to have the life of a servant now. He doesn't have plans to take over the world or to get a big church. His life is to be a servant. He's ready to take orders. He's ready to do whatever his master says. He's ready to never seek his own will but only what his master wants. It's a servant life. And is that where you are with Jesus? Or are you still plowing in your own field with your own oxen? Surrender is the first step and the only step for every true believer and follower of Christ. You might think you believe, but your surrender shows what you really believe. How much of your life do you live for yourself and you're unwilling to give up for Christ? That shows how much, how real your faith is. Faith without works is dead. So how to pass this test of affections? What do I love? Follow one master, love one master, serve one master. As they would say over at Calvary Aurora, be all in. I like that little bumper sticker they have, all in. All in. One master, love one master. Test number three is the test of sincerity. So we fast forward now. We're going to go all the way to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. And we're actually fast forwarding 10 years. It's been 10 years. We're going to go to the last few days of the life of Elijah to see some ways that the Lord kept working in his life. That's test number three is the test of sincerity. And it happened in... In chapter two, verse one, it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven in a whirlwind that Elijah w- went with Elisha from Gilgal. And then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said to him, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. What is the master doing right here? Does he want to be alone? Why would Elijah say, oh, you can stay here, buddy. It's all right. Does he want to spare Elisha the grief of seeing him leave? Why Why would our picture of Jesus do this? And the answer is, it's a test. He's proving what Elisha said in the beginning. What did Elisha say in the beginning? I will follow you. And Jesus, he tests it. Are you going to follow me? Yes, that's a good thing. Are you going to follow me? He's giving an opportunity to see how at- attached Elisha is to his master and how, in turn, we should be attached to Jesus, following him with all our heart and strength. Just like Second Timothy also said in chapter 4, verse 10, we see an example. We see, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and departed for Thessalonica Paul had this guy in his life, Demas, who departed from him. He followed him for a while, and then it got too tough. And he left. Elijah is giving his servant an open door to leave, yet he knows he's going to stay. Why? Because they've walked together for 10 years. And Elisha has walked with him every step for 10 years. Elijah's not really worried, but he wants Elisha to see it. He wants all the other people that are watching this this relationship. He wants everyone to see, look, when Elisha has a chance to bolt, he doesn't. What a great witness. What a great testimony. It shows love. The test is real, and it needed to happen to show that the love was real. Does that make sense? So how to pass this test? It's enduring love. It's don't give up love. Patient love. If his heart wasn't in love with the master, it would jump at the permission to leave. Some people are just looking for permission to be crazy or to leave or to sin. Oh, I can have an affair? Okay, well, I'm out of here then. That's not really what she meant, right? But following Jesus for 10 years produces love, faithful love. The heart grows more dedicated and true as the years pass, unless you're just staying out of obligation. And Jesus doesn't need people following him out of obligation. Do you go to church just because you're supposed to? Guess what? You're free. You don't have to come to church. I I release you of your obligation. (laughs) When your heart loves the Lord, going to church is not an obligation. It's the joy of our heart to be with our brothers and sisters, to hear the word of God, to praise his name. Man, this test is real. You know, for, through hundreds of years, it was required for people across Europe to go to church. And it was a tough time to discern who was really following the Lord and who wasn't really following the Lord because everybody just went to church. Not only was required, it was popular, so it was just the thing, right? Well, we live in a day today that's very different. It is not the popular thing to go to church to say, I follow Christ. It's not popular. And so it's easier, a little bit, to tell who really loves the Lord. And it's, it's, that's how it works. We can't follow Jesus out of obligation. It must be love. And if you are constantly having tests in your life of like, oh, I could go do something else. I could go do this. I could, I could be watching football. I could be doing this. I could be doing the other. The Lord is testing you. The Lord is doing that in your heart. And it's a good thing. Test number four. This test I just called... Are you crazy? All right? And this happens in verse 3. It says, Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. I love this. This is basically other believers thinking that Elisha is too extreme or too passionate about serving the Lord. They're like, Dude, He's leaving like today. You don't need to go with him where you can stay here. We like you. You're going to be our boss. Come stay here. Hang out with us, right? You know it's not going to be worth it. You know that God will still love you if you give up now. Just like Paul didn't confer with flesh and blood or was not intimidated by the apostles or by James. We see that in the New Testament. Are you going to listen to people or are you going to listen to God? Elisha was called by God to follow Elijah till he died would he be faithful the answer is yes and Elisha politely tells all these guys to shut up that's what he says so how to pass the test of the are you crazy test don't listen to those who think following Jesus is too hard Don't listen to people who think you are too extreme in following Christ. You say, guys, I love you, but I don't follow you. I hear you, but I am crazy about him. I follow him. Test number five, the test of faith. We see this in verse four. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And this might look like the same test he just passed, right? Well, he needs more people to see. So it's another test. So they were in Bethel, which was a great place to be. If you know anything about Bethel, it's where Jacob met with God. And, and he had a vision of the stairs, and, and it was like Jacob's ladder. And it was, it was like, And he called it God's house. That's what Bethel means house of God, God's house. It's like where God hangs out. This is a great place for us to be. A little while later, it's called God's gate. Same thing. But Jericho was a dump. And that is where Elijah wanted to go. Faith follows when it doesn't make sense. Elijah said, the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. Did you see that? He said specifically, God sent me to Jericho. So to follow means to go to the dump. Not for the dump, but for the master. So how to pass the, taste of fa- the test of faith? Trust the word alone. Trust the word alone. You can't make your decisions based on what makes sense to you. We have to listen and follow. And you guys are going to go through this test where you're like, why would I do that? Why would I go there? And the Lord is telling you in your heart, It makes no sense, buddy. It doesn't make sense. But follow me, and you'll be with me. That's what we learn. To follow him, to listen and follow. The word of God said, the Lord has sent me there. So what's my job? Go where he sent me. That's it. Test number six. Patience. Test of patience. Check this out. Verse five and six. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to elisha and said to him do you know that the lord will take your master over from over you today and he answered yes i know keep silent seems like we've seen that before right then elisha said to him stay here please for the lord has sent me on to the jordan when he said as the lord lives and as your soul lives i will not leave you so the two of them went on here elisha could have been very helpful to these younger prophets. They're, they have this little prophet school there. Even in the dump, they had this little prophet school. Okay? And these guys were learning to serve the Lord, and, and he could have been very helpful. He could have kind of led them. He could have had this position of authority. And the master says to him, you can stay here and have your little fun time, but I am going to the Jordan. Now, what was the Jordan? What was there? Nothing. Nothing. So he went from going to the happy place of Bethel to the dump of Jericho to nothing. That's where his master is taking him. It's crazy. Surely it would be more practical for me to stay where there's at least people, right, God? And he's like, no. Following Jesus does not always make sense. But staying close to him is the only lesson you need to know got to stay where he's at Philip was being used by God greatly in the book of Acts chapter 8 he's being used in Samaria he goes up there he stands up like the whole city gets saved from his outdoor preaching he's just ministering creating a church all kinds of stuff and the Lord says go to the desert of Arabia and Philip isn't like hello look at the revival I'm leading here look at my new church it's the first church of Philip right here he didn't say any of that Philip's like okay and he took off, and he meets one guy down there, shares the gospel with him, he gets saved, and then he gets sideways raptured to another place, and it's pretty cool. But how to pass this test? The test of patience is to just stay close to Jesus. You've probably seen that the answer to all these tests has to do with closeness to Christ, trusting Christ, loving Christ. That's the answer, Test number seven, the test of your character. All right, check this out. Verse seven, and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance. And while two of them stood by the Jordan, now Elisha took his man, Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, struck the water, and it was divided this way and that way. So the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Matthew chapter 21, verse 22 says, And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. You ever read that question and be like, no. Are you kidding me? And then you pray for a Rolls Royce. And it doesn't happen. Or you pray for this or you pray for the other and it doesn't happen. That's because, listen, this question that Elijah gives to Elisha, this question that Jesus gives to us is a test. It is a test. You know those questions that are secret tests. It's like cheating, right? You're like, oh, I didn't know it was a test. Well, it was a test. It is a test. Jesus says, I'll give you whatever you want. Elijah says, what do you want me to give you? It's a test. Of what? It's a test of their character. It's a test of the heart. What do you want from the master? What if he offered this to you? Which he did. What is your heart really set on? What do you really want? Your heart will betray you. When you answer that question, your heart will come out of your mouth and the words will form an answer to the test. The servant of character responds with an answer that glorifies God and helps people. What do you really want? I want you to be glorified, God, and I want your people to be helped and served. And God offers this promise to us as we follow him as well. Our character is laid out for all to see when we pray. And the things we pray for, they show others our character. Do you care about his kingdom or yours? Do you care about his kingdom or yours? Elisha asked for a double portion of the, what? The spirit the spiritual resources that his master used. Elisha's like, I've been following you for 10 years. You have this stuff inside you that you use to do good, to glorify God. I want that. Whatever that is, that's what I want. I'll call it the spirit. Elisha wanted to glorify God and bless people. He had no fleshly or worldly desires. He didn't. So how to pass this test of character? As you stay close to Jesus, let his heart and his desires become your own. you got to stay close to him and you got to walk with him daily and read his words daily so that the things he cares about become the things you care about. You know, when he says, don't worry about your life and your job, I'll take care of it. I want you to focus on your family and loving the people around you. When our hearts start lining up with that, then we know, okay, we're going on the right track. I know God's going to take care of where I work. It's just like friends. Your mom never told you, pick good friends because you become like your friends, right? I don't know. Is there like a rhyme that does that? What? Birds of yeah. Not really. Just kidding, that works. Uh, Yeah, so... We have, he says, don't do, walk with Jesus so that you become like him. Now we get to verse 10. So he said to him, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken up from you, it shall be done for you. But if not, it shall not be so. So what he's saying is this is still about relationship. You still need to stay close to me. You still got to stay close to me. You got to be there when I'm taken up into heaven. Then he says, verse 11, Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. And he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. Elisha, we see here, has a heart of love for his master. He has been faithful to stay close to his master and to learn from his master and to love his master. He's learned all this. And now the power and life of his master is going to be seen in him. So get ready, because what we're going to study for the next bunch of weeks is how this life is in Elisha, what it does in him, and also what it does in you. But this study that we have today is so important, because this tells us how we get there. It's only by spending time with Jesus by walking with him, by being tested by him. Each of the times your job has a tough situation, each of the times your family is struggling, they're all tests. And they're working for you. They're working for you so that your faith will grow. In, uh, in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Endured with That's exactly what happened with Elisha. He, he spent time with Jesus until he was given the power, the spirit from on high. Crazy how it works that way. Before we serve God, we must spend time with him and then receive his life and power to do what he wants us to do. We rush out and we want to be like miracle workers and we want, to, we want to be used by God in such great ways. And so many times he just wants us to learn how to be a dad or be a mom first, how to walk with him, how to open up our Bibles daily, how to listen to the word and believe it all the time, surrendering every part of our life. Well, we've gone a really long time today, so I appreciate your patience. We're wrapping it up now. So would you guys all stand with me? And when we, when we think about the testings, the most common response that I see when our faith is tested is bitterness and anger. I see it with Christians. I see it with non-Christians. They're like, my life is so hard and I'm angry about it our, our, our world is conditioning us to think that way about tests that anything that tests you is a bad thing but we know that in school we test our kids we prove our kids and it's a good thing so as we're as we're entering into a time of worship now and communion Allow the Lord to search your heart and see how you've, been, how you've been responding to the tests of the Lord. Maybe your test is just someone in your life that's like a thorn. Maybe your test is a physical infirmity. Maybe you've been sick. I don't know what the tests are. But I know the answer to every single one of those tests is relationship wow. with Jesus. Drawing near to him, believing his word following him that's how it works and now we have communion so you're able to come up and take a cracker remember how he gave his life for you drink the cup which remember how his life is given to you it's just like the, the what we've read about today with Elisha receiving a double portion you can take two cups today for your double portion of Jesus spirit Jesus we love you Lord not nearly as much as we should Lord but Lord we, we just pray Lord, that you'd help us to walk with you daily. Lord, not to get ahead of ourselves, not to think that we need to figure out a way to save this world because it's dying and going to hell. Lord, but we need to just learn how to be your closest friend. Lord, to walk with you is the purpose of our life. Jesus, I just pray that if any of us have gotten kind of skewed in the way that we think about our own gifts or our own responsibilities, Lord, that we would repent today. We would come back to you with all our heart, Jesus. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive me for my sins, Lord.